Try that again. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Brothers and sisters in Christ, the text for today um, is the most famous one about fasting. There's lots and lots and lots of other texts about fasting, and um, frankly, I feel like um, I, I can't even hardly dip my toe in the water in one sermon. So I do encourage you, um, if you if you haven't already checked it out, I'm kind of dropping these videos. I wasn't even planning on doing this. I've got a small group of guys that I'm working with that for the first time we're going through fasting stuff, and uh, that's cool. And then the staff was like, can you drop some videos out? And I was like, well, I'm already recording videos. So um, Facebook, Realm, um, YouTube is where I put them, and then I link out of there. So you can even go to the YouTube and just follow the playlist if you want. Uh, so I'll probably do a couple of those every week. Um, and just kind of share stuff that I have experienced and know about fasting. Uh, but yeah, in some ways, I've, I have been fasting for, for years and years and years, especially during Lent. And I really got into fasting for all of the wrong reasons. Uh, I, I thought to myself, I can do this. I was a wrestler. I, I know how to not eat, right? I used to cut weight all the time. And what I've discovered over the last 15, 20 years is it's not at all what it is. But um, as I'm fasting, I'm seeing just how beneficial this thing is. So I want to share some of that with you this morning. But this is part of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is doing a lot of um, teaching and correcting on things. So he talks about prayer and he says, don't, don't pray like them. Here's how you pray. And that's where we get the Lord's Prayer from. And this part, he's, he's in a very short amount of text saying essentially, don't fast like those people. Here's how you should fast. And it's, it's actually very beneficial for us to hear. So because this is the word of our Lord and Savior, Jesus, would you please stand? Jesus said, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast... Anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. This is the gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I feel this, this could be an hour and a half sermon, but I promise I tried my best to cut it down. When it comes to fasting, um, not a lot of people talk about it and do it because of the text we just read. Um, don't, don't proclaim it. Don't let people know. And so it seems, I blame the Puritans for this, by the way. It seems like the spiritual pendulum kind of swung all the way from people, look at me, I'm fasting, to, well, that's bad, so let's never look at it. Let's never talk about it. And then over the years, that just kind of became this sort of Nobody talks about it, nobody sees it, then nobody knows what it is and does any teaching on it, so fasting kind of went away. So over the years, I've kind of developed this idea that I want to I start essentially a fast club. And you know the first rule of fast club is, right? Fast club. It's like Fight Club, right? <laughs> you guys remember? If you weren't here in 1999, if you weren't watching movies, this is lost on you. The first rule of Fight Club is don't talk about Fight Club, right? That's, that's how we feel about fasting is we don't talk about fasting. And it's, it's kind of ridiculous because that's not actually what the text says. 
the text, and I actually have this to put up on the screen. This is, the, this is when you fast, anoint your head and wash your feet that your fasting may not be seen by others, right? Seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. It's not about not talking about it. It's about not showing off to the world. It's, it's about not, not proclaiming to the world, hey, look at me and my spiritual discipline. Look what I'm doing. Aren't I so much better than these other Christians who don't even fast? Or I've been fasting for this long, and they only fast for that long. And, and that's, that's the real thing that Jesus is working to correct um, in the text and I, and I want to start by, by reiterating what I've already said in Confession and Absolution to, to get to this point here, just reinforcing over and over again, this is not something I'm telling you you need to do. I'm not telling you that you should do it. It's just that there is such a, a benefit here. And the way Jesus talks about it is he says, when you fast, meaning, well, yeah, that's what people do, right? People fast, just like people pray. When he's talking about God's people, just like you pray, just like you fast, and when you go to the temple, when you worship, when you sing, when you read the scriptures, it's just one of these disciplines that, that he um, just talks about, assuming that this, of course, everybody is doing this. So we have to be very careful when we fast because you know, we're not all in, in the same place physically. We're not in the same place as, as far as our health goes. This may not be healthy for you. And, and, and don't feel guilty for even a second if you're thinking to yourself, well, I have this condition, I can't really fast. Does that leave me out of fast club? No, not at all. Because this isn't something God commanded you to do. He, he didn't ask you to do a thing you physically can't do. That's, that's the whole joy of, of what Dan was preaching on on Wednesday. And I won't re-preach the sermon. He did a great job. But there's, there's some like teaching points theologically that are really interesting that that one of the things that Jesus does is he he is perfectly obedient and we hear these words over and over in the New Testament to fulfill all righteousness that's why he was baptized to fulfill all righteousness when Jesus does some of these things in his ministry you go why is Jesus doing this he's doing it for you is the point the point is that his fast becomes your fast. We're going to get there. That's the last point in the sermon. I don't want to jump too far ahead here, but, but he's doing it because we can't do it. I, I can't fast for 40 days. He, he referenced a couple of guys he knows. I know a couple of guys, and one of those guys is the same guy <laughs> who has done it, who has, has done a 40-day fast. I mean, I, I first want to tell you, I won't, I can't, and I won't. Because I, I also don't think that it's good for me <laughs> to do that. And I'm going to get into that in just a minute. But I want to make sure you understand, this is not about salvation. This is not about brownie points. This doesn't make you a better Christian. It literally has nothing to do with you and your relationship with God. In terms of, I'm fasting, or I'm praying, or I'm doing this thing, so God knows I'm a better Christian today than I was yesterday. Nope. And it's not about earning brownie points. I'm doing this thing so God feels a little bit better about me. He couldn't feel any better about you. His son died for you, forgave your sins, so you are seen by him as perfect, completely sinless and clean. There's nothing. You'll never impress God. Never. You can have a wonderful day and be like, I 
barely sinned today. Like maybe you slept most of the day, right? Or whatever. Like I, today was a good day. I, I did good things. I had great relationships. Everything was wonderful. God's night, yeah. You get a better seat in heaven now. That's not how this works, right? Fasting has got nothing to do with that vertical relationship. It has everything to do with you and your relationship to other people. This is where fasting is critical. And yeah, there's, there's some blessings that flow from, from the Father to you while you're fasting. And there's some good things that the Father gives to you while you're fasting or praying or reading scriptures. But these spiritual disciplines are designed for us to then use, utilize, to bless people who are around us. That's what fasting is really all about. When I fast, and this is, I can only give you my perspective. As I'm fasting, I find myself in, in a really interesting place, right? I find myself caught up in this, this whole concept, this, this whole process. It's even a lifestyle when I'm fasting, especially during the Lent season. I change a lot of things. I change my sleep patterns. Um, I change my prayer life. Uh, I, I change all these little details of my life and the, the centerpiece of all of that is spending time fasting. And it's in those spots, in those moments, I really learn about myself. And that's important. I'm going to share with you what I learned about me. What you might learn about you could be completely different. I don't know. Here's what I learned about me. I find myself in those spots. I get to that point where I'm, I'm tired, I'm drained. It's more than hungry, right? You get past hungry and you get to this other spot where you're like almost anxious and desperate and you're longing. And here's what I do. I go, come on, Luke, suck it up. I just, my inner voice goes, come on now. You're better than this. Don't be a quitter. Well, you're a loser and a quitter now. Knuckle up, let's go to work, right? We got this, we're going to fight it, we're going to beat it, we're going to win, and we're going to keep going. And there I am, the hypocrite on the street corner, proclaiming his righteousness to an audience of one, me. There it is. Guess what my core number one sin is? You already know, <laughs> pride. Arrogance, hard-headedness, stubbornness, refusal to listen. These, any of you who spent time with me are nodding your heads. No, right? Yeah, definitely. That's right at the core of who I am. If I'm ever not that way to you, it's because I know that. If I ever am not that way in ministry or personally to you, it's because I get to these places and I see this spot and I go, there it is, Lord. You know what I do right in that moment? I break my fast. I eat. Force myself to be the loser that the little voice says I am. You know what? That's what fasting does. It humbles you. It reveals things about you and it shows you exactly what it is 
that's keeping you in your relationships to your, your spouse, your kids, your friends, your neighbors, your church, whatever. It, it reveals here it is. The problems you've been having, most of them are you. And now they have a name. And now they are clear and they are specific and they're staring you in the face. Now here's the, the great news is, is breaking your fast is, is just as much a glorious experience for me when I'm in this mode as receiving absolution in worship. Because the reason I'm eating is because the sin has been revealed. And you know what happens every time sin is revealed? God forgives. He's batting a thousand on that. Every time one of his kids has sin revealed and laid bare in their heart and they are convicted and I go, I can't believe after all these years, I'm right here again, Lord. I know the very next thing is my child, I forgive. Luke, you're forgiven. And I eat, and I'm refreshed, and I'm overjoyed, and it's, it's like the food is, is mimicking what the, the gospel proclamation that I have received is doing. My body is nourished, my heart is nourished, my spirit is nourished. I, I'm nourished, right? And, and I feel refreshed and healthy and wonderful because the fasting has revealed the thing. And, and here's, you, you think, is there any other way to do this? There's lots of different ways to do this other than fasting. And the key component to it is suffering. <laughs> That's the problem, is we live in a life where suffering just almost doesn't really exist. I know um, you disagree with that <laughs> because you feel like you're suffering. I know. I mean suffering in the biblical sense or in more of a, a third world sense. In a, in a lot of ways, suffering is very much um, a matter of perspective, right? Suffering can be a very subjective thing. The worst thing that's ever happened to you is the worst thing that's ever happened to you. You know, for a three-year-old, that is, they didn't get as much chocolate as that kid, right? And that is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. So suffering can be a little bit subjective. And the other problem is that suffering is, is sort of uncontrolled, random. We try and avoid it, and we should try to avoid most suffering. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. But in our world, where we live and when we live, we have so much resource that we're often able to kind of remove ourselves from the, the real suffering that exists. And fasting can be a way in which we self-impose in a controlled way suffering. And, and there's a, a point and purpose behind this. I want to put a text up from Romans. And <clears throat> this, this is a text I'm sure we've all heard before, but we're going to walk piece by piece through this. Not only that, but we, rejo we rejoice in suffering, right? Sounds crazy. We rejoice in suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, Endurance produces character, character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. 
Here's the thing about suffering. If we're not controlling it, if we're not doing it in a way that is, um, that is controlled, where, where we are looking for something to happen, <clears throat> we get caught up in the chaos of it. So I want to talk a little bit about self-imposed suffering. Self-imposed suffering. The thing about suffering is that if, if you are doing it self-imposed, you understand that there is an end point and you're in control of the end point. Lots of times in life when something happens to us and, and that suffering is something like a disease, diagnosis, or whatever it is, we have no clue when this is going to be over, if it's going to be over, where does this lead? Blessing of, of fasting is I'm going to spend some time in suffering. I know how long I'm planning on it lasting. And also, I am in control and, and I will end this under the right circumstances at the right time when that happens. So there's a little bit more safety and there's a little bit more margin and space to do something and, and to have some beneficial work happening in there. And suffering, as the text says, produces endurance. Here's the thing about endurance. I love this. I want to find the quote um, that I got from, from uh, endurance is self-fulfilling. Self this is Marcus Aurelius. I just, this is one of my favorite quotes, sorry. <laughs> Marcus Aurelius, everything that happens is either endurable or not. If it's endurable, then endure it. Stop complaining. <laughs> if it's unendurable, stop complaining. Your destruction will mean its end. Brilliant, right? <laughs> like, if you can endure this, then shut up and endure it. If you can't endure it, well, relax, you'll be dead soon. <laughs> uh, that's, that's actually... Awfully profound when you, when you actually think about it, but, but, but endurance being self-fulfilling uh, means that as you're enduring something, you're doing the thing you're trying to do. It's a very passive thing. If, if you're enduring something and you are complaining like crazy, you're still enduring it. If you're enduring something and you're like Marcus Aurelius, one of the Stoics just perfectly at peace and is, you're enduring. It is just the thing that's happening while you're suffering. So suffering just automatically produces this thing called endurance. And endurance is, is one of those things that builds over time, which is another little point I'm making in these videos. If you've never fasted, you want to try this for the first time, don't go crazy. Don't be like, I'm doing a two-day fast or even a 24-hour fast. You may not want to do that, right? You may need to build endurance over time. But here's the idea is as you're enduring, this, this is me on a treadmill. I never run. I'm never on a treadmill except for this time of year because there's a certain thing I want to train for, right? So on a treadmill, I'm like, ah, one mile. You've got to be kidding me. It is brutal. And then a couple of weeks, one mile is nothing. I'm looking at two miles. Well, the way I do it is by time. You know, 10 minutes? No, we're going to do 20 minutes. All of a sudden, enduring 10 minutes seems much more easy. I just don't like it. Nobody likes running. If you're one of those people who pretends like you like running, we know you're lying, right? We all know you're lying. I see you. <laughs> no, it's you, you endure. You learned endurance, right? So if, if suffering produces endurance, and endurance is self-fulfilling, then what about character? That's the next piece. Do I have that one on the screen? Maybe I didn't have that on the screen. That's okay. Character, 
um, speaks of virtues, values, integrity, consistency, what you think and do, how you interact with people, being congruent in all circumstances. It's rightly revealed as we endure suffering. If you value these things, if you have virtue and relate in a godly way to people when things are good, so what? This is where we find the great value in suffering and that suffering that's producing endurance. In that spot of endurance, in that spot of endurance, I am, I'm short sometimes with people. Sometimes my, I'm, my character isn't the best when it comes to other people. But you know who suffers the most wrath of me in the midst of endurance? It's me. I hope you're not that way, right? And, and this is not, please don't hear this as a, as a pity party. This is just, I'm just telling you the thing I have. Whatever the thing you have is the thing you have. That's fine. And we're all different. We all struggle with, with sin and life differently. But what that does is it reveals a part of my character. I do care about other people, and I find that because as I'm enduring suffering, I still care. But maybe if you're enduring suffering and, and you examine now your character and the way you act and behave towards other people, you might see a flaw. And you go, if, if I am this way when I'm suffering, when I'm enduring it, that can be a character flaw. And there it is. Now you have located and spotted your sin. So yeah, and, and mine... I can tell you exactly where it comes from. It comes from insecurity. Which, by the way, if you read anything on psychology, you knew this already, right? Those, those people who struggle with pride, arrogance, stubbornness, all of those things, what are they really? Insecure junior high kids, right? They weren't sure anybody likes them. <laughs> I see some people nodding their heads. Yeah, I know, right? Right. That's, that's just, it's just an insecurity. It's just... It's part of, it's in me. I don't, I don't feel any way other than that's, that's what it is. And you shouldn't feel anything different about whatever your insecurities are or whatever your character issues are. Because guess what? We are all sinners and all fall short of the glory of God. This is the message of the book, that you're broken too. You, I'm not going to ask you to come up here and list yours, but you don't, you don't have to. Because this is the great news, is that, that suffering to enduring suffering shows character. And in fact, when I see that, I, I can sit there and go, you know, I need to work on that insecurity. I, I need to hear the truth that, that people actually like me, right? And that I, I can have, I can work on this insecurity, especially knowing that God values and loves me. And everybody else kind of doesn't matter in, in that same regard. And so that's building character. And character produces hope. And hope has this, this real interesting character to it when we put it in this context. Hope relies on experience. What do I mean by that? My hope for the future Having gone through that process I just outlined goes, you know what, whatever happens next, whatever life brings me, could be rough. Maybe it's a diagnosis. Maybe I'm sick. 
Um, maybe the economy falls apart. Um, maybe, maybe your job goes away. Maybe this, maybe that. All of, these, all of that suffering out there, guess what? You've been down this road. You've been there. I've been there. I've put my, myself in a place of suffering. I've learned endurance, and I've built endurance. I've seen where my character is. I can anticipate what's going to go on in the midst of all of that. And so I have hope. I have hope that when the next thing that comes that is uncontrolled, unplanned, and not self-imposed, when that thing happens, I know what this is like. I've already been down here. I've already done this. And I know I'm going to feel insecure. And I know I have this character flaw. I'm going to be ready for it. And what that does is it allows me, in the midst of whatever is happening in my family, whatever suffering my children bring to me in my family, right, I know I can endure it, and I know in the midst of that, I know what to watch for, for me, not for them. And I can be a better dad. I can be a better husband, Right? I can be a better pastor. I can be a better neighbor. I can be a better friend. I can be a better all of those things because I've been through a spiritual discipline. So you see, none of this is about our God in heaven going like, a little bit further and you can be at the resurrection. You know, If you were to fast another 10 hours, it's got n- literally nothing to do with how can I be better for other people's sake, not for mine. How can I bless someone else? Because at the end of all of this, what we discover is that God loved the world. That's why he gave his son. Right? At the end of all this, what we realize is as as much as God loves me is as much as he loves the next person. And he is using me to express that love. He's using me to show his love to somebody else. He's using me to proclaim his word. He's using me to do all of these things. I want to be the best that I can be at it. That's just natural. Again, don't feel like, and if you're not, I'm mad at you. Pastor Luke's disappointed. No, 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 no. This is all voluntary stuff. And, And I'm wired a little nuts, right? We all know that. But at the end of the day, fasting is a benefit for you but then it blesses others. That was the sermon last week. And stewardship, right? These things are related. So where we're winding this whole thing together, and if you're wondering, I haven't really heard the gospel this morning, good news. (laughs) This fasting thing, what you discover when you're fasting is you, by by the nature of the thing, you lose, (laughs) right? Because you can't fast forever, right? There's, There's no, I'm fasting for the next... 60 years, (laughs) like that's not going to work, right? So you always lose. That's the point. The point is to find your weakness, find your brokenness, find this this bottom, locate your sin. And like I said, when I eat, all, all things start to change. But if we left it just there, man, you would really miss the beautiful part of the text Dan preached on last week where, where Jesus fasted in the wilderness for 40 days. The, day, the number 40 is, of course, significant for a flood, wilderness, years, all of that kind of stuff. But, but what we need to understand is it's to fulfill all righteousness. There is a mystical union. This is going to sound a little woo-woo. I don't mean it to, but it's real. 
There's a mystical union that we have and enjoy with Christ. When we believe, we are joined with him. I'm not making this up. When we are baptized, it's not pretend, right? God joins us to him in baptism. And I knew you might think this is woo-woo, so I have a bunch of texts up here to show you it's right from the Bible. This is Romans 6, 4. We were buried, therefore, with him. We were, past tense, buried, like in the ground, in the tomb, Jesus, with him, how? By baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. This one's from Colossians 2. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. This is to people who are not circumcised, by the way. He's saying you were circumcised. It was? Yeah. By putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him, past tense, with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. This one's from Galatians chapter 3. For as many of you as were baptized, were baptized, past tense, into Christ, have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male and female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Ephesians chapter 2. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive. We're dead, past tense, and then also past tense, made alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So, try fasting and learn how bad you are at it. But, think for a moment how glorious Christ was at it. Perfect. Didn't falter. Satan himself showed up and was like, hey. And he quoted scriptures back perfectly. He remained absolutely Jesus the entire time. And then remember, his fast is your fast. So when you fail and you find the flaw, you go, but Christ didn't fail and there were none. No flaws, no sin, no character defect, no insecurities, no brokenness, no sin. And then because he loves you, he makes that yours. He joins you in this mystical union. I have fasted perfectly in the wilderness for 40 days and so have you. I have perfection on me, in me, wrapped with him because of him and his perfection. This mystical union, when we believe in Christ and in baptism, it very really spiritually happens. We are joined with him in this mystical union. And as he was put into the ground and came out of it, raised to new life, you'll be put into the ground and raised up out of it in new life. So your, your loss, your failure, your brokenness in whatever it is that you're doing, you have Christ who declares you forgiven, who declares you free, who declares you righteous. 
And this is who you are before him. What, what is great about Lent is not just that we find all of the dark places and we find the brokenness and the character flaws and the sin, but we've always got our corner of our eye. We've got the cross, knowing that this is just something I'm enduring, but I have hope that's on the other side of this. This is something I'm self-imposed, enduring, but I have been united with Christ, and his resurrection is my resurrection. He is the one who has already done all of these things in perfection on my behalf, and it's bestowed upon me that I have life that is eternal. And he, why I'm here, while I'm still walking around, I got air in my lungs, I get to make someone else's life a little bit better. Heck yeah, I want to do that. Yeah, I want to do that with, with every breath I take. And yeah, I get, I get down on myself. I beat myself up when I don't. And in the moment I do that, I've been through this process. I know the character and I go, thanks, Lord, for forgiving me anyways. Thanks, thanks. Thank you for the gift of the good news that if I didn't do that perfectly, if, if I had an interaction with you and I didn't do a good job and I, and I made you angry or whatever it was, I know that I'm imperfect, but Christ has got you, man. Christ has got you. And, and he, he is enough for you. I'll never be, but he is. And that's the mystical union. We bring Christ with us to all of those who need it so badly. This is what fasting is all about. This is why <laughs> I don't think you should give up ding-dongs and ho-hos for Lent. Because <laughs> it doesn't do that. Right? You just need a diet. <laughs> this, this understanding of fasting, if you can do it, if it's something you're interested in, this blesses other people. It blesses you through other people. But guess what? God, he's blessed you all the way already. Amen. May the peace which surpasses all human understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.